Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. What is up? Welcome into the Early Edge College Football Preview Show Championship Week edition. I'm your host, Alan Bell, and we have a wonderful show lined up for you today. And you know what? Let's not waste any time. Let's bring in the stars of the show. Boys, how we doing? And I'll tell you what. Let me pull up how we did last week. Looks pretty good again, man. Another 7-5 and five week. You guys are sitting at 56.8% against the spread this year. So, well done. Good job. And, Tom. Got to give you some props, man. There were a ton of people on the early edge all week that made a ton of money off of your teams that have quit theory. <laughs> Dude, 3-0, and man. You crushed it. Anything you got to say? Well done there, buddy. Uh, shout out to teenagers who no longer give a crap for, <laughs> <laughs> for quitting and making it really easy on us because, yeah, that was I saw one of our listeners had the big parlay where they actually added uh, Purdue against Indiana in that too, which I thought was a very heads up move by them. And they cashed a huge parlay. So shout out to that listener who took advantage. Yeah, they did a great job. And, and you know, you were saying it like you, you literally, you know, for each one of these games, you were like, Hey, you know, Navy it's 12 and a half. I, I'd take this thing up to 20 and that dude listened to you, man. Mm-hmm. And parlayed it. I, yeah. What was it? A hundred dollars into, like, I think he turned it into like 4,300. Oh, damn. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So, hey, well done. I wish I would have uh, listened as intently as that gentleman did. I wish that I would have great... listened as intently as he did. <laughs> that was a great job. Uh, last week was a fun week. So, like we said, we are here. Championship week, man. And uh, let's get into the storylines that are affecting the uh, championship week betting lines. Chip, I'll throw it to you first, man. You're looking at some unders here. Well, just the idea of the championship game under. This should come as no surprise to those of you who have watched this show uh, with us weekly, but I end up taking the under a lot. But that's just because there's a lot of paths there. Like, I'm checking the win report. Is it going to be a wonder? I'm looking at red zone offense. I'm looking at red zone defense. I'm looking at different opportunities to take advantage of Joe Public's natural inclination to always think overs, 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 you know, it's going to be more points. You're almost rooting for points. And so I think there's, you know, a little bit of value, a little bit of fun. And, and yet, you know, a little bit of like a, you know, sadistic side of it too, you know, especially when you're doing it in basketball. And one of the pathways to basketball is a neutral court, early tip under, like you got four games at MSG early game under all day at rooting for bricks. Yeah, I do have trouble sleeping sometimes, but you know, as long as they win, then I'm able to, uh, to get to bed and championship game unders is one of those paths where I just think about, that any of these games where it's a you just need to win by one point to be able to achieve everything you've worked for the entire season, that there's just a natural inclination for the game to slow down just a little bit, especially if things are tight. So I'm always going to be looking during this week at some unders uh, that I might like on the board for conference championships. I like it. And, and Tom, I'm going to throw it to you here. Um, somewhat of a correlated play, but really more in turn of everybody's watching and you're looking mm-hmm. at so much more, you know, public action on these games. Yeah. It's, it's one of those instances where, especially now where gambling is now becoming or sports gambling is becoming legal in so many States across the country and more people are kind of getting into it just, you know, 
recreationally than probably ever really had before. Like these games this weekend are all huge. And while college football is already generally has a very large handle at sports books across the country, this is a weekend where a lot more, I think casual money is going to come in. And while I, you know, Joe public isn't often going to move lines books do kind of have to build and protect themselves against what a larger betting populace is likely to do. So when you look at like the teams that are, you know, playoff contenders that are currently ranked in the top four or are in that range of being able to maybe get to the playoff, if they win their conference title game this weekend, the average better is going to lean towards those teams. And just so you kind of have to, you know, balance it. Maybe teams are favored by a little bit more than they should be based on the actual matchup. Or maybe like you just look at one team, like we'll get to it shortly, but in the conference USA title game, there's an 11 and one team versus an eight and four team. I know what the public thinks is going to be the better play. I'm not sure if that is the better play. So it's one of those things where you kind of have to figure that stuff out. Yeah. That, that that absolutely makes sense. And Micah, coming to you, you know, you've got the Vegas experience. You've been in these books. You've been around this time, uh, you know, for for years and years. You've seen it, right? Yeah. What are you looking at right now in terms of, uh, you know, championship week? Uh, obviously, we have a playoff now instead of a BCS and the system, you know, that was in place before that. But what are you kind of looking at from here until we get to the championship game? Like, where where where, where are your eyes at? Well, you kind of have an idea what the public's already going to play. So you understand that and you may build something extra in the line, a little luxury tax on it. You may not, but you're waiting to see where your most respected faces are. So in my case, I would have like five to 10 guys when they bet, regardless of what I had on the other side, I would move in favor of them because I respected their play so much you know, consists, I don't know what they won, but it seemed like they always beat us. So naturally you want to be on the side that they are as far as a bookmaker and then just play it out from there. And ideally you want to get even action on both sides and hold the juice, but that never happens. So you have to play these little tricks and follow and you want to be on the right side. And that right side is usually those respect faces and every book has them. A lot of them are, there, are the same guys. Well, I'll tell you what, speaking of you know, respected faces, these three right here, you guys had some excellent picks for this week, and we're going to jump right into it. Now, before we get into you know each conference's championship game, I do want to take a look at one game that we don't have highlighted. All right, and Tom, I'm going to come to you. Utah State, San Diego State, you get an official play here on the under 50. Yeah, this is uh, this is going to a well that I've gone to many times during my days as far as gambling. San Diego State, at the end of the night, has bailed your boy out many times after a losing day where I just say, oh, the Aztecs are playing. I'm going to take the under, and I'm going to get a win here. And this is just that kind of a matchup to me where I think that both my numbers and just stream suggest to me that this is going to be a lower-scoring game. San Diego State has a very good defense. They slow teams down. Offensively, they're not in a rush to go anywhere. They don't mind just running the ball and running clock. And they're facing a Utah State team that offensively has been very explosive this season at times. And they're going to want to do anything they can to keep that offense off the field because if this gets into a shootout, San Diego State's not going to win a shootout against anybody. But the good news for the Aztecs is defensively, I don't think there's a whole lot Utah State can do to slow down the Aztecs. Like, I think they're bigger. I think they're stronger. I think they're more physical. And I think that's going to work to San Diego State's benefit as far as the final score and the outcome of this game. 
But I also think that, again, San Diego State's going to be more interested in winning a 24 to 10 game than it will be in trying to win like a 38 to 20 kind of game. So I really like I like San Diego State on the spread. I very much prefer the total here because I think 50 is just a little bit too high. I think, like I said, this is more of a 24 to 14 kind of game than anything that's going to get higher scoring. So that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to go on. I'm just going to count on the Aztecs to slowly suffocate the Yankees. Beautiful. And how we're going to do it uh, on this week's show, usually we give our official picks and then we get into our big six uh, of the weekend. But we're just going to go through uh, really seven conference championship games. And I'll call out when we have an official pick uh, from one of our experts here on that game. So that's the first one that we have. Now let's jump into these conference championship games. And the first one will start here. All right. So we've got the Conference UFSA championship. We've got Western Kentucky minus one against UTSA at a total of 72. All right, so, Micah, I'm going to come to you. You have two plays on this. You like Western Kentucky minus one, and you also like the over 72. Yeah, since the last time they met, uh, UTSA beat them by six, like 55 to 49, something like that. It's going to be a high-scoring game, and we've seen Western Kentucky, eight of their 12 games, 42 points or more. They get it done. They're going to score, and UTSA defense is not going to slow them down. This is a spot with uh, Western Kentucky. They probably should be closer to four-and-a-half, five-point favorites here, and it's the momentum coming in, and we've seen it with UTSA. They've looked sluggish their last three games. They look like they've been waiting to lose, like, somebody please put us out of our, our misery. We want to be respected as an undefeated team. We want to be in. The minute they lose – they're chopped out of the CFB playoff uh, rankings, completely gone, 11-1 team gone. So they have that feeling. They're disrespected. They've been feeling it, and the pressure's mounted on them. And now you got Western Kentucky. They haven't lost since losing to UTSA. That's seven straight wins, 6-1 and one against the spread, and covered their last five. I think they're rolling. Bailey Zappi, nobody's talking about him. He's from Texas, so the home field edge isn't that big. Victoria, Texas, by the way, you know who from there? Doug Drabeck, 1990 Cy Young, yeah. Ron Gant, nice. and Steve Austin, all from Victoria, Texas, and Zappy, 52 touchdowns. Nobody's talking about him for the Heisman. This is a tragedy. Should happen. I think he gets his self-award here winning the conference title game. <laughs> nice. Anytime that we can get a Doug Drayback and Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's unique city. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best, man. Like, I mean, seriously, though, like you look at like small towns, towns, cities, wherever you just threw out some firepower of names, man. I like, was I was very into getting Doug Drayback the Cy Young Award in 1990. So I'm all about Doug Drayback, Big fan of his. And Victoria, Texas, I found it interesting because Ron Gant, who was about the same time, was from the same city and they were in the playoffs there. So anyway, this guy's another extension of Victoria. Pretty proud of him. I love it. I got to go to Victoria. Something's in the water down there. It's nice. All right, Tom, I'm going to come to you. You've got an official play as well on this. Uh, you like the Hilltoppers minus one. Yeah, I, I, I like it for a lot of the same reasons Michael was just talking about. I think that if you look at these two teams right now, and as I touched on at the beginning of the show, UTSA is 11 and one, Western Kentucky's eight and four. But Western Kentucky has been the better team over the last five weeks. Like UTSA, especially defensively the last few weeks, has really been limping to the finish line. This was a Roadrunners defense that early in the year was one of the better units in Conference USA, and it was one of the driving forces behind them doing so well. But I think they've allowed 86 points in the last two weeks, and it's just been it's been trending that way for a while. 
And this is a Western Kentucky offense that, you know, Stone Cold Bailey Zappi is leading the way. And if you look at Zappi's numbers, this is a kid with 52 touchdown passes this season. That's 12 more than anybody else in the country. Like, I think it's Bryce Young, and I can't remember who else it is that are tied in for second with 40. Oh, that's and, uh, Kenny Pickett. There we go. Kenny Pickett was the other one with 40. And this Western Kentucky team, like you mentioned, the game they played earlier this season was a 52-46 UTSA win. I watched it very closely because I was on UTSA minus three and a half, I think, was the line in that game. Uh-huh. And th- it was a back and forth affair. And frankly, UTSA won that game. But Western Kentucky was the better team in that game. I think they outgained them by over 100 yards. They had a chance to win it late. Zappy was intercepted in the final seconds inside the red zone. And Western Kentucky was going to try to score the game tying touchdown and maybe the game winning touchdown. And UTSA hung on to win. That game obviously was in Bowling Green. This one is in San Antonio, so that changes the calculus a little bit. But also, it's not just the UTSA defense. If you look at Sincere McCormick, UTSA's leading rusher, terrific season. Last three games, he's been kept 100, under 100 yards in all three of them, which was not happening early on in the season. He was like a guaranteed 100 yards at least per game. So I don't know if he's less than 100% or what's going on or defenses have just kind of figured out if we take him away, it kind of sucks up the rest of what they can do offensively. I I think this is going to be kind of a back and forth, fun, really fun game. But right now, Western Kentucky has been the better team. And one thing you always got to think about when it comes to you look at spreads, if the 11 and one team is an underdog to the eight and four team, probably for a reason. Yeah, it's a good call. And and I got to give a shout out real quick to Bowling Green, to Western Kentucky. That's a fun city, man. Like they're Mm -hmm. about 45 minutes from my house right now. Uh, Yeah, they're I've had a blast every time I've been up there. They take sports seriously. Uh, that, that's a fun school, man. Shout out to Western Kentucky for sure. Now, Chip, coming to you, this isn't an official play, but you go ahead and hit that music, my man. So I love the end of the season and just like, uh, trying to latch on to the rhythms of teams and the motivations of teams. Uh, our old uh, Cover 3 co-host, Barton Simmons, used to always call it psychology season when we get into the bowl games. Who uh, who wants it more? Uh, what's the angle here? You know, And I think that in a conference championship game, you can kind of look at, I mean, as Micah and Tom have both detailed it with much more specificity, is that Right now, UTSA is not playing at the same level that it was at the early stages of the season. And getting through probably those first seven or eight games you know, was so monumental that sometimes it's tough to have any gas left. Where on the other hand, you've got that uh, slow start for Western Kentucky, who, by the way, is importing uh, a new offense, new quarterback, like all of the influx of transfer talent that has been this Western Kentucky offensive explosion and a great job by Tyson Helton to get everybody on the same page. But like they are going to be playing better at the end of the season than they are at the beginning of the season. It's just like first year head coaches, first year coordinators, first time starters. You're just going to get better play uh, now. And I think that's the opposite of what we have at UTSA. So that's why I'm also on the Hilltoppers. Nice. Clean sweep there. Clean sweep. All right. We'll go on to the next game. And look. Last week, we didn't give away any prizes, and I told you that we would do something nice for this one. So we're obviously going to get back to our game, and we're going to start with Micah here, okay? So what you have to do is select, pick what you think Micah's pick. Actually, I'll tell you what. Yeah, we're going to go with Micah. Yep, we're going to go with Micah on this one. Sorry, I didn't mean to confuse you. So we're going to break down Oregon versus Utah, Pac-12 championship. Utah is a three-point favorite. 
and a total of 59 and a half. So you have to choose one of four of what you think Micah is going to go with. And it's an official play for him, by the way. So drop your Twitter handle in the chat now and either go right Oregon, Utah, over or under one of those four options with your Twitter handle. And we'll have Micah go last. And what you could choose from is you can either choose a year long subscription to Sportsline or you could choose an early edge T-shirt, whichever one that you want. Just let me know. I'll get with you after the show, get you all hooked up. But yeah, Twitter handle and one of those four options. All right. So, Chip, I'm going to come right back to you. You got an official play on this. Mm-hmm. You like the first half under of 29. First of all, can I set odds on Sportsline t or Sportsline t-shirt versus Sportsline subscription? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Sportsline subscription minus 14 and a half. I mean, <laughs> subscription can lead to more money. I'm sure the t-shirt looks good, but can the t-shirt get you more money? Yeah, I think That's that there's a very, very, very clear pick here. But hey, to you know, to each his own. All right. So uh, championship game unders, especially with the rematch, especially with the way that this game is going to start. I think that it's just going to be a little bit more conservative, that you're not going to have either of these offenses more than anything they're going to be trying to avoid making the kind of backbreaking mistake that could set this game off on the wrong path. And I think that both of these coaches would uh, very gladly uh, play a low scoring, hard fought, decided in the trenches in the final third and fourth quarter, who's got more heart. I mean, that's the, the Kyle Whittingham, Mario Cristobal special. If we don't get a special teams touchdown uh, in the first half, then I do think we clear the under. I understand that because we're dealing with the first half number and a lower total, something like a pick six, fumble touchdown, special teams touchdown makes things a little bit hairy. But again, if if we play it uh, clean with a lot of punting, uh, I like the first half under for Oregon, Utah. You know, I'll say as someone who plays not only a ton of unders, but a ton of first quarter and first half unders, you're right. Like, you're just looking for nothing crazy. Like, right. I just need a standard fair first quarter, first half. And we're Two probably coached teams, conservative yes. play calling, avoiding mistakes, play yeah. field position, punt. Like we might get some touchdowns, but they're going to be touchdowns on methodical drives. Yeah. I'll tell you the most frightening thing are kickoffs. And then when you see the quarterback, like when he takes the snap and you could tell immediately that he's going deep and he fires it quickly, knowing that his guy is out there before you see him, you're like, Oh God, no, like this is not going to be good. So you're just living with that camera that's panning out. So I respect it, man. I totally, totally get it. All right, Tom coming to you. You like the under 59 and a half uh, total game here, not an official play, uh, but you like this one. Yeah, it's along the same lines of why Chip's taking the first half under. I think that the rematch factor, obviously, and especially since it's a recent rematch, these two teams that have been very familiar with each other, having just played a few weeks ago. So they know what the other wants to do, which is always an advantage when game planning for a team. You can figure out what you want to take away. And then it's also just when you think about the identity of these two teams, that's who they are at their core. They're two physical defense first football teams. That's who they want to be. That's who they've been for the most part. And it's just another situation too, where I know that neither one of these teams is going to make the college football playoff at this point, but there's still a lot on the line. This is still a Pac-12 championship. This is still the Rose Bowl. This is still a lot for these two teams to be playing for. So I think you're going to see, and I think we have seen, especially from Mario Cristobal in the past, when it gets into these spots, he tends to you know, be a little bit more conservative in these types of games, and I think Al Whitting will be perfectly happy to be in that kind of game too. So 
I do think it's not, I don't think it's going to be like a boring snooze fest rock fight type of game, but I think, you know, we're going to stay in the twenties for both teams, which should keep us comfortably below this total. So that's where I'm going to go. You know, and you bring up a good point too, that, yeah, they're not playing for a college football championship berth, but when you're playing for a conference championship, that's a banner at the school. Like Mm -hmm. you're remembered, your team is remembered forever at that school. So you know, yeah, I mean, I think that the conservative approach in terms of that, yeah, you're exactly also, right. Also, if, yeah. if you're a coach, there's contract bonuses involved, too. Big so that time. Yeah. still pretty important. <laughs> That's a great call. That's a great call. All right, Micah, coming to you. All right, you know what? I'm going to get right out of your way. What do you got, buddy? I got the Ducks. I'm going with Oregon here. Number one, the home edge that Utah had is completely gone a couple of weeks ago. So their road wins, not very impressive. Stanford, Arizona, and USC, three losses on the road themselves. And and I think you throw in revenge in there because I think uh, Oregon knows that Utah took advantage of them with the psychological issues of thinking about the playoffs. It was on their mind. They were in the mix. They got beat. They weren't focused like they should be. They're still mad about that, and it's – only a couple of weeks away, you get Utah away from Salt Lake City, you get them on the fast track of the Las Vegas uh, UNLV Rebels track, and I think they're going to be fine. And I think they're going to use that motivation to win this game after being beaten so soundly a couple of weeks ago. The motivation revenge angle is strong here, I think. Nice call. All right, and our winner is... Jacob Carey, nice job. You fired out that organ fast. Well done, well done. Yeah, I was getting worried. I saw a lot of totals over and unders in the chat. I was like, I don't know if we're going to get one, but yeah. And now well we get to see later what Jacob picks. Yeah, Jacob, <laughs> I'll get with you after the show, but yeah, drop <laughs> in the chat right now. Are you going to go sub or are you going to go early edge shirt? Yeah, we do want to see that for sure. So look forward to what you say there. All right, so next game here, we're going to break down the Big 12 championship. Baylor versus Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, a five and a half point favorite, a total of 46 and a half. Okay. One second here. All right. Tell you what, we're going to run the game back. This time it's Tom. He did, it's not an official play. However, drop your Twitter handle and same uh, rules apply. Twitter handle, choose Baylor, choose Oklahoma State over or under, and you'll have your choice between a sports line subscription or an early edge shirt. All right, so, Mike, I'll tell you what. I'm going to come right back to you. You've got an official play. You like Oklahoma State, but you like them on the money line, priced at minus 210. Yeah, I think it's going to be a close game, and maybe the under might be a way here too, but that number's uh, too low to to play on that, in my opinion. Uh, But the quarterbacking of Baylor, even if Bohannon doesn't go, the backup did fairly well in the two games, and – um, I, I'm not really concerned about that. It's just the defense of Oklahoma State here, and they have to win to try and hope something else happens over the mix of you know the games later in the day there. They can go first out and come out strong, play their game, play their defense. Uh, there was the number, how many yards they allow? It's pretty, it's number three in the nation, 276 yards allowed. That has allowed them to cover so many games this year, nine, nine games I think they covered this season. So I think that's going to be the way here. Sanders won't be an issue. It'll be the defense keeps them on track and it gets the win and moves on. And then that puts pressure on the next game we'll talk about soon. Nice job. Nice job. Now, Chip, to answer your question, Jacob says Chip's all over it. Year-long yeah. sub. 
Nice job. Well done. Well done. All right. Yeah, Jacob, I'll get with you after the show and get you all hooked up there. All right, Chip, staying with you. You've got an official play on this as well. You like the under 46 and a half. Oh, I ain't scared of that low number. When have I ever been scared about low numbers? I've dropped multiple unders in the 30s. The way that these two teams take care of business, in addition to my conference championship under adjustment, it's going to set up for uh, the kind of game where the ball moves, but you don't get it in the end zone. I see both of these teams being able to, yeah, you can hit an explosive play or two, but they are not going to have success with the kind of consistency where they're just going to be marching up and down the field on each other. Oklahoma State's defense we know is one of the best in the country. And like Baylor's defense has this funny thing that I can only attribute at the moment to Dave Aranda, his coaching, his game planning, because individually they don't look all that impressive, but they are always in the right position. And they always seem to be timing their blitz better than the opposing blocking schemes and offensive lines. And so even though physically they don't look all that impressive, they've had a lot of undersized dudes that seem to be making plays in big spots. So I think, uh, again, Oklahoma State and Baylor's defenses, I both respect. I don't think either passing attack is a huge threat to the total here. So I like taking the under. Nice. All right, Tom, coming to you. I'm going to get out of your way, but I am going to say this. The chat... You didn't no do worries. great on this one. Yeah, didn't do great on this one. All right, Tom, what do you got, buddy? I first of all, Chip, I I I don't hate your underpick. My concern there, though, is that you know when these two played earlier this season, the final score was twenty-four to fourteen, which obviously that's a full more than a touchdown below where the total is for this one. It's just both of these offenses have gotten, gotten better, better since yeah. that game. Fair, uh, fair, fair. On the other side, Micah, I agree with your pick on the money line as far as who I think is more likely to win, but I worry that there could be some kind of emotional letdown after Oklahoma State just did the thing it's never really able to do and finally slayed the Oklahoma Giant and then basically got rid of Lincoln Riley in the process. <laughs> so I'm taking Baylor in the points. I, I think that, you know, we've talked about this on the Cover 3 podcast all season long. I think Baylor's just a good football team, man. I There's nothing spectacular about them. There's nothing they are exceptional at. And it's kind of like what you're talking about them defensively, Chip, where it's, it's more of a unit than it is the individuals. And I think that's very true. And I think that's just Baylor offensively, too, because as Micah mentioned, even without Bohannon, Blake Shapin has stepped in and has played very well in his place. And Baylor's kind of, you know, kept things going, chugging right along. And I think that this is going to be a very close and hard-fought game. I think that Oklahoma State is the better team, and I think they win it more often than not. But I just don't think they're going to really be able to pull away from this Bears team, which is just solid in too many areas. So I would, if this was at six or more, I'd probably make it an official play. At five and a half, it's still where I'm leaning, and that's what I like. There we go. All right, our winner is Steve Clark. Well done. You selected correctly with Baylor. Uh, we are interested to know if you're going to go with the sub or the shirt. So please feel free to drop in the chat. And Listen, I'll hey, get let's make sure I don't get myself in trouble here because I know we're pushing <laughs> the merch. All right. I, I get it. The merch is beautiful. It's so much right. beautiful merch. You've never seen merch like this. <laughs> Let Just, me say yeah, this. You get, the sub, you get the sub, you win money, and then you use the money you won to buy a shirt. There you go. <laughs> Store.cbsports.com. All right. You just you win money with the sub. Well, see, I'll tell you oh, what. He wants a t-shirt. The underdog. <laughs> nice job. He said t-shirt. All right, look, let me say, when coaches adhere, 
nobody's getting in trouble. You're going to have to do some egregious, <laughs> egregious uh, fouls in the paint here to get in trouble with me. But uh, yeah, Steve, nice job. I'll uh, I'll get with you after the show and uh, get you all hooked up. All right, next game here. All right, we're going to the AAC championship here. Houston versus Cincinnati. Cincinnati, a 10 and a half point favorite, a total of 53 and a half. Chip, I'm going to stay with you. You get an official play here. You like Cincinnati minus ten and a half. Yeah, I think they might. Uh, they might run it up. Uh, this 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 could be uh, a really like fun coronation kind of performance for the Bearcats. Uh, Houston is uh, has been done a very good job of taking care of business. You know, outside of that horrible collapse uh, against Texas Tech at the beginning of the season, you know, this team has otherwise been. You know, they, they, whoever's in front of them on the schedule, they're going to go out there and beat them. But the problem is that when we talk about that schedule, Houston's strength of schedule is number 129 of 130. So Ooh. being 11 and one and being, you know, right there and it, you know, here, I'm, we're going to be a ranked opponent for Cincinnati. I think Houston really is just a part of Cincinnati's story. And the difference between these two teams is greater than the 10 point spread that the odds makers have set. The Bearcats have been battle tested. I think they win this game by two touchdowns easy. And again, I kind of see it being one of those ones where after the exhaustion of going through all of these games where you know you're three touchdowns better than them, but you still got to go out. Like, of course, focused focus was lapsing from time to time. There's not going to be a focus issue here. So I, I think that Cincinnati plays well and covers. All right, Tom, I'm going to come to you now. Not an official play, but you like Houston with the points here. What are you seeing? Yeah, I don't I don't love anything in this game, honestly. I, I, I worry. I think that Cincinnati is obviously the better team. I think that Houston, as Chip mentioned, has taken advantage of a pretty weak schedule. But, hey, you play the teams that are in front of you, and you beat them or you don't. And Houston beat them. A lot of teams play weak schedules and don't win 10 or 11 games. So I, I have respect for what the Cougars are doing. I'm taking them plus 10 and a half because I think that this spread's a little too on the nose. And I also worry. I mean, this is just speculation on my part. But the Notre Dame job is open. Oh, no. Oh, man. Here we go. Luke Fickle, the Notre Dame athletic director, Jack Swarbrick, has basically let it be known that his top target is Luke Fickle. I don't think that's being leaked into the public domain if there hasn't already kind of been maybe a little bit of contact there, maybe a little bit of gauging to see what the interest is. And it's not exactly a secret that Luke Fickle has pretty much been pledged to stay at Cincinnati unless a few select jobs came open. One of them is his alma mater, Ohio State, where he did serve as a season's interim coach. And another one is Notre Dame. And I just wonder if maybe that's been on his mind and maybe, you know, obviously – there's a playoff at stake here. The Bearcats need to win this game to make sure that they get to the playoff. And honestly, they might not even get to the playoff, even if they do win this game, depending on what happens in the Big 12 title game. But still, I think that there's a lot of pressure on the Bearcats to perform here. And I think that Dana Holgerson and the Cougars are kind of living for a chance to destroy that. I think that just for them to play the spoiler and to also one thing to think of, too, if Houston wins this game, it probably gets a New Year's Six Bowl. Because the New Year's Six Bowl doesn't just go to the highest-ranked group of five team. It goes to the highest-rated group of five champion. 
if Houston beats Cincinnati, it will be the highest rate rated group of five champion. It will be playing in the Fiesta Bowl or the Peach Bowl or one of those games. So Houston's got a lot to play for. I don't think they're going to win the game, but I think they could stay within double digits. So again, I don't love anything on this spot, but I'm going to take the Bearcats or the Cougars. So I I love all of that. And also, yeah, like you just said, have to make sure that, you know, everybody knows like this isn't an official play. Um, so it wasn't anything, you know, that you said that you, that you loved, you know, that you're going out. But, you know, definitely, you know, your thoughts on that. And man, I love this time of year. Like, I really do. There's so many things that are going on. And I can't wait to watch this Notre Dame uh, race to see who they get. And I mean, that's a team that could make the playoff potentially without a coach. I don't even know what they're going to do. So, yeah, that, that that's more to talk about at another time. All right, Micah, coming to you, buddy. You've got an official play on this, but you like the over 53 and a half. Yeah, I think both quarterbacks are going to have a good game. And they're ironically, they're both pretty much equal as far as if you look at their numbers, straight down to touchdowns, interceptions, completion percentage, yardage, actually. I mean, it is really close, pretty. But nobody talks uh, about the Houston quarterback. It's always been Ritter at Cincinnati. And so I think he's going to play well. Your last uh, eight games, 31 points or more, they have won Week after week, 11 straight weeks, very impressive. No one's talking about them. They got into the CFB playoffs like it matters. I saw, Tom, you had a tweet, and it's like, why are we still going for it? But it matters to this team, and they got in, and they haven't been talked about all season long as, as contenders. Strength of schedule, you don't belong here, you don't belong here. But Cincinnati has also been going through that the last six weeks, uh, only covering two games, shaky, started with the Navy game, and they've had trouble uh putting away teams with their bad strength of schedule. So to me, I think the big thing here, maybe you want to wait a little bit before see what's going on to, to Oklahoma State. If Oklahoma State is winning the game while this is going on and they're scoreboard watching while the other get their game starts, that that's something that's on their mind. That's not football. That's not the conference championship game. They're thinking about something else, and that's an edge to me for Houston in that spot. I think Houston's going to go and you may see a fantastic finish with Cincinnati, but I do think the Oklahoma state game and what is happening there, because I think they know they get such little respect that the team sitting in five, if they beat somebody that has a better uh, strength of schedule and uh, for a better conference, I think that means something. And I think they're going to have to play with their own inner demons in the game to get rid and win the game and go on to the college football playoffs. So something to think about before you bet the game. Yeah. You and do, you know what? I know that we had Latifa for Western Kentucky, but at first I was like, Ooh, what about a little like Baylor Houston parlay? And then I was like, Ooh, what about a Baylor Houston UTSA? What if it's an all Texas, everything kind wow. of day? Yeah. <laughs> Just throwing out themes for you. That's one reason to put picks together. Here you go. Well, I'll tell you what. You nailed it earlier uh, in regards to Barton nailing it. Uh, psychological season, for sure. Like, there's a lot of things that are going on for these teams that are involved. All right, uh, Jubby, we've got three games left that we're going to break down. All right, going to the Big Ten Championship. We've got Michigan, a 10.5-point favorite against Iowa. A total of 43 and a half. Micah, I'll throw it right back to you. Let's stay with you. You had an official play. Michigan minus 10 and a half. Michigan isn't losing this game. They're going to win big <laughs> and keep it going. They're going to roll all game long, and it's going to be like a 30 to 3 type game. This is what happens. The East rolls in the Big Ten championship game 
forever, even when they were the stupid legends and leaders or whatever that was. I still have no idea what that was all about. Did that last one year? Was that? I think it was year? three years. And then they, three years. Yeah. Yeah. They. Sh- they. Sh- but it. You know, same thing. You're going to see the East team roll, and some of these East teams have have done uh, some put some heavy work in. But I don't see Iowa score. I don't know how they won last week. I know the quarterback situation's been crazy with them, but this is a horrible offense. I think one. 23 of 130, maybe even worse. It is one of the worst offenses in college football, and here they are playing in the Big Ten championship game. But their defense is good, so that's why I think you can look at the under a little, but I think Michigan and Harbaugh, his first Big Ten championship game, is going to be one of those where it's just a wipeout from start to finish. They keep going. There's no letdown from Ohio State because this is just – to where they've been promised their whole entire stay at Michigan from the time they were in high school, promised of playing for national championships. They are finally being able to get to that dream that they've been promised that Ohio State has taken away from them every single, well, almost every year. But this is better things to come. And I think that will be the Michigan attitude coming in. And Iowa is just, we're just happy to be here, you know. Tom, coming to you, it's not an official play for you, but you like Michigan 10 and a half as well. Yeah, you know what? Let's make it an official play. All yeah, right, there we go. It should have been from the start. Uh, this is, I, I agree with Micah for the most part. I, I just, even if Iowa makes this game interesting for a half, I just don't see how the Hawkeyes can really keep up or keep within that range over a full 60 minutes, barring a bunch of Michigan mistakes and turnovers. Because if you look at what Iowa wants to do, it's basically the same thing Michigan wants to do. They play good defense. They run the ball. They beat you up. They're physical. The problem is when Iowa's playing the rest of the Big Ten West, it's easier to get away with. But when you're playing against a Michigan team that does this, has the same identity but also has much better players, yeah. it also has much faster players, it usually doesn't work out very well. And one thing that you got to consider, too, is like when Michigan goes to Iowa City and struggles under Harbaugh over the last few years, it's playing on grass. It's playing on a, in a tough environment. This is going to be in a neutral environment indoors in Indianapolis on turf. And while Michigan is not like SEC speed kind of fast with like dudes flying all over the field on offense, it's a faster team than Iowa, and it's going to be playing on a much faster track than Iowa is typically used to playing. And I think that that will help the Wolverines in this spot. And I just think that, you know, Michigan is I, – I thought it was good all year, but it was always one of those things where it's like every single season there's been a lot of good years for Michigan, but you don't really want to take it seriously until you see how they perform against Ohio State. And we saw that last week. And I think Michigan proved the point that we're not just good. We're really good. We deserve to be in the playoff. We could shut down one of, well, not shut down, but really slow down one of the best offenses in the country. We have an elite pass rush with Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo coming from both sides. So there's really, you double one, you've got to leave the other in single, and he's going to win that battle 90% of the time. And I just look at Iowa's quarterbacks, and neither one of them, whether it's Padilla Patrick's, Neither one of them is very impressive. Neither one of them has been good at any point this season, and it's hard to win against a very good team without a good quarterback. And Michigan actually has a good quarterback this year. It has a good offense. It has a good defense. It has good special teams. There's no weak spot on this team. So the Wolverines, I'm taking them. They're going to win. They're going to win by 14. Nice. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, folks. You are seeing history on this show because we have never 
all had an official play on the same game and the same play. So, Chip, go ahead, do it again. Let it drop! Yeah. Um, yeah. This... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Iowa has... Uh, allowed 31 sacks this year. And that is a combination of the offensive line, which, yes, does have uh, an NFL center, but you know also has quarterback that sometimes has trouble connecting with receivers, finding them open at the right time. Those 31 sacks that Iowa has allowed are, are, the, mo- are the second most in the Big Ten. So you're going to tell me that an offense that allows the second most sacks in the entire Big Ten is going up against... Aiden Hutchinson, who is on one right now. We talked about this this morning in the Cover 3 podcast. He is third in the country with 13 sacks. Of those 13 sacks, six have come in the last three games. Three of them against Penn State. Three of them against Ohio State. He had something like 15 quarterback pressures in that game against the Buckeyes. So you're telling me that this Iowa offense is going to be able to protect its quarterbacks. Whoever's out there, whoever can stand out there by the time Aiden Hutchinson is done with them, Over the course of 60 minutes, like Tom, I actually would not be surprised if we catch a little bit of a letdown or hangover factor early, but Iowa ain't scoring enough points to be able to do this over the course of four quarters. So, yeah, I'm I'm with Michigan. I'm laying it. Yeah, Michigan is one of the most points Iowa scores in this game. 14? Like, does anybody think Iowa gets more than two touchdowns here? I'll give them 17. You know, or how about this? I could give them, even if Michigan like gets out there, has some bubble guts, fumbles in the territory, which of course ends in a field goal, you know, has a special teams mistake, but that ends in a field goal. Like once they get over that hump of those initial sort of bubble guts type moments, the game's going to settle in and Iowa's not going to score a touchdown after that. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. All right. Two game, two games left. All right. We've got the ACC championship, Pittsburgh. Three-point favorite versus Wake Forest, a total of 72 and a half. All right, Micah, excuse me. Micah, you're the only one with an official play on this game. You like Pittsburgh minus three. Yeah, it's more because I dislike Wake Forest's defense. It's awful. I mean, I'm surprised they were able to win as many games as they were with that average score, 42-29 this season. Not going to get it done against Kenny Pickett. He's been too good. He's been on a roll. He's been beating good teams, and I just, uh, I just don't see Wake. I think this is the end for Wake. And by the way, it's somewhat what is it? Seventy-five minutes away from Winston Salem. Uh, mm-hmm. Chip, you're the county guy, and and see what? How far away is that? Not <laughs> well, a big. It's, it's it's a very manageable drive. The problem yeah. is that the uh, the the entire Wake Forest. Um, his like every living alumni from Wake Forest could be in that stadium and they would fill up half of it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So anyway, further reason, Pittsburgh, a little inflated, the, the spread, the numbers I have only a half point differential. So I, I think it's worth it. So I'm going against what I normally do and going against my number and laying three. And so, by the way, I'm I'm not being insulting there because on record, according to Wake Forest University, the largest collections of living alumni have been uh, the most recent bowl game in Charlotte against Texas A&M and then the Orange Bowl against Louisville. So your largest collections of living alumni are football bowl games. Wow. There you go. (laughs) A fact. Yeah. They brought factual information. I'll tell you what, Chip, stay with you. Not an official play for you by any means, 
But you kind of like Wake on the other side of this. What do you see? Yeah, I think that there's just a lot of confidence right now in this, uh, the idea of this being the, the fulfillment. And every coach is going to say that we had a vision of winning championships. We had a vision of winning championships. But I think that Wake Forest – especially after, you know, we talk about psychology season, like Dave Clawson, I think some people sent like smoke signals or like lit some flares and Dave Clawson didn't light the other flares in return. Like there was no contact, right? Cause you never contact with another school. Of course I, think, I think the smoke signals were sent. And when he didn't respond, uh, I think there's a lot of enthusiasm uh, around the program. And I can't help but think that there's also enthusiasm within that program and that they are, uh, riding a very, very special season. Uh, both these teams are going to be able to light it up th- with their passing attacks. We're talking about two of the best quarterbacks in the ACC. Kenny Pickett, one of the best quarterbacks in the entire country. The over-under at 72 is you know, absurd, uh, but I'm also not taking the under. Like, I, I'm <laughs> yeah. telling you that I was like, this is too many daggone points, but you wouldn't catch me trying to sweat this thing. Uh, you know, we talked about the the North Carolina Wake Forest game that had a total like around 78 and it was cleared in midway through the third quarter. Like it's it is very, very possible that this game gets absolutely stupid uh, down the stretch. But I think that Wake Forest, with all the close wins, has sort of built up what they want to be able to close out. And so I'll, I'll give the Deeks plus the points in what I think will be a shootout. Yeah, it's going to be a fun game for sure. Tom, finish us up here. Not an official play from you either, but you kind of like Pittsburgh minus three. Yeah, this is kind of along the same lines as Mike. I just I don't trust the Wake Forest defense. And while I don't think Pitt's defense is a lights-out unit that's you know completely inflexible and dominant or anything, I just think that if I have to look at this game, which team do I think is more likely to get the most stops? Probably Pitt. And when I look at the quarterback battle, while I have a ton of respect for Sam Hartman in the wake offense, I just think that Kenny Pickett's the best QB in this matchup going against a defense that hasn't really shown an ability to stop anything that has you know a pulse. So I think that... The Panthers are probably going to win this game in such a short spread like this one. I think, I mean, my numbers have Pitt being three and a half points better than Wake on a neutral field. This is a three-point spread on a neutral field. So the numbers tell me to take Pitt too, although it's not, you know, an obvious play. But it's just, this is going to be a really fun game. And it's more a game that I would probably prefer to bet live than bet pregame. But if we are putting in pregame bets, I'm going to go Pitt. Yeah, and I'll tell you, you know, it's interesting, like, uh, how long or how how long a college football season is, even though it's very short, it flies by. But just the difference between like you're thinking of from week one to today, uh, I think it was what week two or week three when Pitt went to Knoxville and played Tennessee. We didn't really know these two teams, these two offenses just yet. Yeah, and I took the under in that game, and uh, no, oh, that yeah. was a no. disaster. The third play was a punt block for a touchdown. Like we didn't even get to the offense yet. And it was seven nothing, and I was like, "Oh God, this is going to be a nightmare." And look, real quick before we move on to the last one, I will to like offer as much information as I can, educate and entertain, right? And that what we yeah. say. AB? All right, so yeah. um, if we are going to say who is the best offensive player, either team, it's Kenny Pickett. If we're going to say who is the best defensive player, either team, it's Servasier Dennis, a linebacker for Pitt, who is going to play in the NFL. And I do think that in general, height, weight, speed, you know, prospect rating. Pitt's defense, which has not been good, but it's 
better, the height, weight, speed, talent than what Wake Forest has defensively. And so I, I understand why Pitt's favored. It's a worthy favorite. I, I'm all hunch with my uh, with my Deeks in the points play. Totally. I, I'm telling you, I, I think this is probably like this is going to be the most fun game. Like it might it, it might not be the best game, but I think it's going to be the most fun game of the weekend. Now, watch it getting like scoring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch, watch thirteen both teams. to ten, pit wins. Yeah. <laughs> and even like they throw us the curveball, where both teams are like, you know what we want to do is we want to establish the run. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> championship weekend. We need to start establishing the run right now. Yeah, that's so funny. All right, our final game here: the SEC championship. All right, Georgia six and a half point favorite versus Alabama. A total of fifty. Okay, so we're gonna get back to our game. You have to select. What Chip has in this game, which he's going to go with. So, in the chat, drop your Twitter handle and one of four options, okay? Twitter handle and Georgia, Alabama, over and under, okay? So, go ahead, start firing that off. We'll have him go last in this one. Okay, Mike, I'm going to come to you. You've got an official play here, Georgia minus six and a half. Yeah, Georgia, and it's basically based on what they do every week, which is the same thing. It's on repeat, 40 to 6. I mean, that was the average score in week four, and they've maintained this all season long, 6.9 points allowed, but still number one, only 230 yards allowed, uh, total yardage number one as well. And Alabama, uh, the last four weeks, uh, not to take anything away from their big 59-3 win over New Mexico State, but if we take the last three games, the, even from starting where they lost to Texas A&M, so they're 3-3 three and three against the spread since then and have stayed alive, but just barely. I mean, they are begging for a loss here. So we got, uh, what are these close games here? Uh, overtime against Auburn, 24-22. They beat Arkansas, 42-25. Mexico State before that, it was 20-14 to against LSU. And in those spots there, LSU, I mean, come on. They, they, they've just given up on the season almost, but they got up for that game and played well enough to cover and uh, at times win the game. They were winning the game. And then same with Auburn with a backup quarterback. So I just think there's too much here pressing and too much – uh, Georgia, I mean, I just think defensively, even if they struggle offensively, they'll be able to win the game and move ahead like they do every week. It's, like I said, a machine. And Alabama doesn't have that. They have, uh, they used to be that way, but that's not this year's team. So Georgia gets a cover. I think we say bye to Alabama as well for the playoffs. Yeah, it, Georgia has been a machine. I mean, other than that Clemson game, I mean, they've played the same game 11 times. In yeah. full disclosure, uh, on the early edge this week, I've put in two official plays on this. I've got Georgia minus five and a half, uh, and I also have the first quarter under 10 and a half ah, yeah. Uh, on this one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. These like two that. teams do not score in the first quarter at all. Yeah. So, yeah. So I just wanted to, you know, full disclosure on that one to get it out there. All right. Tom, coming to you, you've got an official play on this. You like Georgia as well. Yeah. You know, teams are like people in that they will tell you who they are. You just have to actually pay attention to what they do and not just what they say. And there's a lot of talk about how great Alabama is, and it's ranked you know, number three in the college football playoff. It's been at number two in the college football playoff because everybody's been ignoring Alabama, how it plays. This is not the same Alabama team that you're used to. When you look at the season, yes, they're 11-1. and one. Their lone loss came on the road against Texas A&M, who happens to have the best defensive front that they faced all season 
until Saturday when they'll be playing Georgia. If you look at Alabama against Florida, offensive line got beat up, pushed around. They barely held on to survive in a 31-29 loss. They went up against that Texas A&M front, lost 41-38. to They went up against a big, strong LSU front, struggled in a 2014 win. They went up against Arkansas, which is not even that great of a defense. Couldn't really dominate them offensively. Their offensive line got beat up. They won that game 42-35. to Last week against Auburn, a good defense, not a great defense. Really struggled to move the ball all day until they got to overtime and got to play with exclusively short fields. The defense was phenomenal, but the offense was just not there. Now they are facing a defense filled with a bunch of NFL players, and it's not just the 11 starters. They go about 20 deep. And all of them will be in the NFL one day. They have the best front seven in the country, and they are going up against an Alabama offensive line that I will just say, compared to your typical Alabama standards on the offensive line, is soft. It is not good. This is a team that is really highly rated in the recruiting rankings, but has not played anywhere near to its ability or its talent in those rankings. It is not a great Alabama offensive line. I don't think they're going to get a whole lot of time. I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball against Georgia. I think Bryce Young is going to have to drop back and throw the ball about 50 times in this game, which he's fully capable of, but I don't know how much time he's going to get to do it. And he's facing a very good defense and a very good secondary. And on the other side of the ball, Will Anderson is awesome. Great. Got tons of tackles for loss, tons of sacks. Hasn't stopped a bunch of teams from putting up points on the Alabama defense, though. And this is a Georgia team that is really physical and really strong. And I think we'll just be able to run the ball down Alabama's throat, ram it down there again and again, and not get stopped too many times. I think Georgia is not only going to win. I think it's going to win by two touchdowns. So give me the Bulldogs. I'm with you on that. And uh, they've proven 11 times in a row here that throwing on them in the second half because you're down is a disaster because they're, they're a black hole. Like they get up 10, 13, 16 points and th- there's nothing you can do. There's just nothing that you can do. Uh, so yeah, full disclosure. I completely agree on that one now. Okay. So chip, I'm just going to get out of your way. What do you got? This is not an official play, right? Alan. Correct. This is not Correct. an official play. Yeah. This is not an official play. He's scared of it now. And No, no, no. I'm not scared of it. All of the sensible, good, hard work of some of the best handicappers in the world going to tell you that Georgia is the play. But wouldn't it be hilarious <laughs> if this big, dumb sport threw us the kind of curveball that would be Alabama winning. What if I could get six and a half points of the potential of a big old curveball? Because I do think that, like, if we want to get kind of like storyline esque here, if Alabama loses big, the way that the sensible numbers tell you Alabama will lose, then this is a turning point for the Nick Saban Alabama tenure. Because Jimbo Fisher broke the undefeated against former assistants. Uh, Kirby Smart would be the second to do so in the same season. Everything that Kirby Smart represents is not only another former assistant, but a rival and a challenging power on the recruiting trail and in the SEC. Same can be said for Texas A&M. Like you want to talk about these Alabama fans that Nick Saban keeps coming after for being uh, all spoiled and not understanding the process, well, they are going to be like, they are going to put Nick Saban on the hot seat. They're going to take the greatest coach of all time. And they're going to put him on the hot seat again on the like most fringy, you know, most like out yeah, of the I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. You know, crowd. They're going to say Nick Saban's cooked. He's, he's had enough. And 
that is going to be a turning point. Again, if all those things happen. And I'm just going to take Alabama because if we look up and something happened, like I think something happened when Bryce Young led that team 97 yards down the field and then they came back and won the game. I was like, ooh, don't let this team take that confidence and swagger into the SEC championship game in a building where we've got Tua, in a building where we've got that third quarter of the SEC championship game. Ooh, fuck her up. Give me Alabama and all the points. There we go. And I'll tell you, you know, that you do bring up, it's fascinating, like the history of, of these two teams in that game, you know, recently in that same stadium. Now, it's obviously different players. for a national championship. Like, mm-hmm. I was walking around at halftime of that building, and Georgia fans were hugging and crying. They were up 13 to nothing. They were like, this is it. We've yeah. waited our entire lives to see this moment. And then they sacked Tua, and they had him all the way back out of field goal range. They were going to do it. And he just took a piece of them and just walked out of that building with it. I just, you're not going to give me six and a half points. It's the first time that Alabama has been an underdog since 2015, 2015. The last time that they were an underdog, they were an underdog to Georgia in Athens. And they ended Mark Rick's career with the Bulldogs beat them 38 to 10. Okay. Yeah. Alabama's got a habit of just taking Georgia's soul a little bit. They do. And I'll tell you, that's the exact reason, you know, why it took the first quarter under 10 and a half is because Georgia and Kirby smart are not going to do anything to give Nick Saban and Alabama an early shot. They will play field position. They do not mind doing it. If they have to get field goals, absolutely. And Alabama, I mean, it could happen, but I seriously doubt that they're going back-to-back drives in the first quarter and putting up seven. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like that's why I was all over this first quarter. As soon as I saw it, it didn't have, you know, absolutely. Okay, so Harrisonville, congratulations. You have won. You selected Bama uh, correctly. Uh, drop in the chat if you're going to go with T-shirt or subscription. And even though this one is courtesy of our man, Chip Patterson here, you don't have to go with the subscription. Like, he's not leaning you one way or the other, even though what he was talking about. Feel free to choose what you want, and I'll hook up with you after the show and get you all set up. All right, so getting to the end. Grab your paper. Grab your pencil. Let's pull up our recap. And as Coach says, it does look glorious. Micah, you are on Western Kentucky minus wow. one. I am on everything. Yeah, you are, yeah. Western <laughs> Kentucky minus one. Uh, Western Kentucky, UTSA over 72. Oregon plus three. Oklahoma State money line minus 210. Houston, Cincinnati over 53 and a half. Michigan minus 10 and a half. Pittsburgh minus three. And Georgia minus six and a half. Chip, you are on Cincinnati minus 10 and a half. Michigan minus 10 and a half. Oregon, Utah, first half under 29. And Baylor, Oklahoma State under 46 and a half. Tom, Western Kentucky minus one. We're adding in Michigan minus 10 and a half, Utah State, San Diego State under 50, and Georgia minus six and a half. Okay, so everybody, seriously, thank you to Tom, Chip, Micah all year for doing this. We're going to have one more show. Uh, we don't know the date of it yet. We're going to you know, break down the bowl games, uh, the playoff games and that for you. So we'll get it all set up and uh, make sure that we get it out there. But I do want to take a minute to thank you guys for doing this all year long. I know how busy that you guys are. Uh, very, very appreciative. I know that I can speak for myself, everyone on the Early Edge team, the crew, everybody in the chat. Seriously, thank you guys so much. And as we always do, I want to make sure to plug what you guys are working on. Micah. 
You're what you work on every sport that we have here oh. at Sportsline. What do you got coming up? What do people need to pay attention to? It's December, you know, so college basketball is going to take uh, center stage with the at the end of this weekend until you know the, the bowl games here and there. But college, it's college basketball season now. This is full throttle in for people that like college basketball and college sports in general. But this is the time, December. I love it. Everybody, make sure find Micah's articles on Sportsline.com, on the app, however you consume Sportsline. He'll be there and have some winners for you. Okay, Tom, coming to you, man, and, and you and Chip both. Uh, one thing that I do want to say, that we will have one more show. Again, not sure the date. I'll, I'll get it all out there for everybody. But you guys are going to be all over uh, You know the, the recaps after these championship games, uh, the final playoff setting, the bowl games where everybody's going. The coaching searches, we see, you know, Lincoln Riley at USC, Brian Kelly at LSU. We still have Oklahoma open. We have Notre Dame open and any fallout of other coaches leaving to there. So first, I want to make sure plug where everybody can find all of that content, all of the betting content for the bowls. Where can they find that at? Uh, you could follow the Cover 3 podcast, whether it be on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Cover 3. You could subscribe to it at all your podcast apps whether it's apple itunes spotify all of them wherever you get your podcasts and of course you can read us at cbssports.com which is also monday you might want to read once the bowls are announced on sunday after the playoff is set and the championship game is set i will be ranking every single bowl from worst to best uh -huh. and letting you know which ones you should be watching and why so you can read that at cbssports.com on monday absolute must read i will be there first and can't wait to, uh, for that chip what else we got, buddy? What are we looking at? It was so funny. You said, I want to make sure um, that we, you know, let you guys know where to find it. And the way that you were talking about it, I thought you were going to say, I just want to make sure you guys are okay. Because as C-Rad points <laughs> out, the cover three guys did like 12 podcasts between Sunday and Tuesday. And he's a hundred percent right. And it, I would have appreciated if you would make sure that we're okay, because we're exhausted. <laughs> we're just grinding right now. It is, but it's fun. Like the cover three awards earlier today, I've already gotten some feedback. It was a, it's just a, a, like a fun conversation. And one of the things about November and the end of the season is that everything happens so quickly. We, we are really loving the opportunity to talk about it. So thank you to everybody who does listen. And if you haven't checked this out, you can find us wherever you get your podcast, watch us, youtube.com slash cover three, hit the little bell. So you get a notification whenever we go live. I love it. And seriously, thank you guys so much. I, I know how busy all of you are. And for you guys to take an hour out of your day every thank you, week. Alan. Thank you hey, for being God. such a great thank host you. this okay. season. Yeah. Setting us up nice and giving us pats on the back. You've been awesome. And the guys, I will say real quick here, you guys are amazing. I could tell you guys do a show. When I come in here, to start at the beginning of the year, I thought, I feel like I'm uh, filling in for one of the Bee Gees and I don't have the voice <laughs> <laughs> to carry the tune that these two already have, two brothers that are on the same level, and I'm just kind of there. But I learned a lot, and I thank you for uh, putting up with me for the year. Yeah, oh, Micah, you're, you're one of us, buddy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, dude, you guys are the three-man weave here, dude. It's fantastic. Uh, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in, seriously. Uh, for Chip, for Tom, for Micah, for the entire Early Edge crew, we really do appreciate it. Have, have a wonderful, uh, happy holiday season. Merry Christmas, everything, if we don't see you. And uh, we'll talk, you know, at some point. But, yeah, make sure to follow these guys. Everybody, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, we'll get some bets.